Hi. Hi. Here we are in our remote bubbles. Yep. How are Off-site. we? Off-site. Off-site. Good. Yeah, we couldn't... We, now that life has kind of returned, it's proven, like, difficult to get us all in the same room at the same time. But um, we persevere over the airwaves. Um, over, we do. Over, um, you know, you'd think after two fucking years of a pandemic, I'd know how to set up a remote recording. Um, but we've <laughs> just... I just did some intense fiddling with my bits to get here and we're finally i think i was sounding a bit like a a robot before wasn't i yeah it was i've actually never encountered that audio issue it's really weird it was just like your normal voice but it was just down a bit so it just sounded like a a a sort of more kind of brusque version of yourself i butched it up a bit is that what you're saying i was a bit masked and i was like hang on something's wrong I was going to say to you, actually, well, Kim, you know, I I am actually really shattered, so it's quite natural that my voice would be a bit lower. Sure. Because you know when you wake up in the morning, your voice is really deep. So oh. I was going to be like, Kim, yeah. I'm actually just a bit tired. Come on, Stop pointing don't be so out. insensitive. Yeah. yeah, but no, there actually was a problem because <laughs> I recorded and listened back. And um, yeah, I, 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 it was interesting. It was very kind of like it, um, cyborg-y. Like I feel yeah. like, it, yeah, maybe I'll like sample it and make some tunes. Uh, this is the problem where we can't just shout Sam. Sam! Let's see we if he arrives. To be fair, Betty. he's only in Hagerstein. He might... No, he's not anymore. I was going to say, he might hear me from my bedroom. Isn't he in Dunfermline? Oh, The fuck, city of yeah. angels. The city of fucking angels. <laughs> God, he, he's in Dunfermline. I have a Scotland story to say, but I want to... First of all, the biggest announcement to yeah. kick off this episode... Hello and welcome to another episode of... Da, 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 you know the script is that Kim had the best spag ball she's ever had. Yes, I did. Just a matter of moments ago. Yeah. Bubbling for ages. Lovely bit of wine in it. Cook that off. Meatballs, mini ones, little ones, so they're really fine, like neatly distributed amongst the sauce. Mm. It was so good. It was so Pork good. Pork meatballs? Yes. Mm. Um earlier than i usually have my tea i know well yeah because I, I did think you were a late tea bird yeah i'm quite european yeah you are mediterranean but, you know I, I came back to my roots and i had it at whatever half past six or whatever normal people do you can have, you have, right, you can have supper later yeah exactly you know that's you exciting but i have yet yeah, but mostly just because like my body clock is so fucked right now and i was just like cold and wet and needed food in me um yeah. and i'll be in bed like after this um because so what did i have i had just a really quick thing i'd bought like a do you know ball yeah so one of their like pots of like it's kind of like a soup but it had loads of beans and rice in it and um yeah it was really wholesome and yummy and like i feel really full and nice and warm and Good. um yeah yeah it's lovely and you were in um, Paisley, Oh my weren't God, you? Kim. This week? Kim, I can't. Right. So, like... Oh, I can't. Right. So, I did quite a long old day on Wednesday. I was working. And then I went to my beautiful pal, Eliza Oaks, her EP launch at Bermondsey Social Club. Great mm-hmm. venue. I'd never been there before. Great venue. So I had a long old day and then I needed to get up the next morning and travel to Paisley, as hmm. you do. 
so I got to Glasgow and it was really weird going home, but no, going home, but not going home. If yeah. you get me? Yep. So like I went straight to Cross Maloof. I mean, the joys, changing <laughs> it up. I grew up in the yeah. West End, but no, straight to Cross Maloof, right? Because darling Fergus McCready lives in a beautiful um, little tenement situation in Cross Maloof. Mm-hmm. And we had a little rehearsal because I was going up for a gig at Tannehill Arts Festival at Paisley Abbey with Fergus, which is a joy. Mm-hmm. So we had a little play and we ate some incredible pasta from a takeaway joint around the corner and rosemary nice. and sea salt for ketchup. Had a little ketchup. Um, Fergus actually inspired me to read some Sally Rooney novels that I bought today, in fact. Um, I, fully, right, I fully embraced winter heartbreak. I bought Normal People... Conversations with Friends and Just Kids by Patty Smith. So I'm just fully. Oh, Just Friends by Patty Smith is just one of my favourite books ever. It's gorgeous. Like, uh, we uh, need to talk about that one we day. We will. We will. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get on it. Don't worry. Um, anyway, I'm chatting shit now. But then Fergus was all excited. He was like, "I'll drive us to the gig" because I hadn't been in a car with him yet. And I was like, "Okay, well, that slightly scares me, but let's go." Yeah. So he's actually not not a bad we driver, and we rock up to Paisley Abbey. And we can't get in because it's all very COVID still. So we were like a wee bit early and we weren't allowed in yet. So we had to wait a little bit. And it made me realise that the minute you're out of a city, there is nothing past seven o'clock anywhere. So it was freezing and I was hankering after a cup of tea. Mm. Nothing. Paisley is dead to the world. So anyway, we get in and I feel bad, right? Because I'm like just splurging. But like Tannehill Arts Festival, we love you. And like the people from the Arts Festival, love, stunning. Mm-hmm. The guy, like I think it was Robert doing the sound and everyone from the festival was utterly delightful and gorgeous. The folk that were in Paisley Abbey, I don't think they liked me very much, Kim. I think they took one what look was- at me and they didn't like me. Didn't because, like your, the cut of your jib. No, because I said, is there any way I could have a cup of tea? Because I'm fucking freezing my bollocks off. Didn't yep. say it just like that. And then no. the old dears were like, no. I was like, oh, no. Okay. Uh, that's a shame. I was like, so you've no tea making facilities? Like, no. So then I go to the toilet. And as I come out, there's a, an old lady sipping a cup of tea and there's like a tea urn. <sighs> What a bitch. And I was like, so there's no hot water in that aren't no. Just point back no, right? And I was like, okay, I'm really struggling with this. Like I'm about to go on stage. I don't even have like I'm freezing. I because I'd brought my vocal steamer, but there was no dressing room even. Like, which is fine. I'm not a diva, right? But like there was like a screen behind which I could change and I was like, right, I'm not changing for these bitches. I'm just staying in my dungarees because yes. I'm freezing. And then yeah, it was just like a bit weird, to be honest. Like It was very hostile. And I was like, I think they just oh. don't like the faggotry. And then... Yeah, like, in the house of the Lord. Yeah. And then... So I didn't get my tea. And then uh, that kind of pissed me off. But anyway, then, like, did... It was a beautiful, like, intimate audience. And, like, creatively and sonically, the gig was a joy. Like, that acoustic is to die for. Mm. But what was hilarious was we're maybe like three songs in and I'm like, 
oh, this is such a joy because me and Fergus haven't played together in what feels like forever. That's a lie. I look up. Heckling. I'm being heckled. I'm being heckled. I'm being heckled. I saw you in Sucky Hall Street and you were playing with a wee trumpet man and Fergus was there and you've changed your look, haven't you? And da 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 And I was like, oh my God, here we go, here we go. So then I managed to like diet down a bit and it's this yep. very, very shouty butch woman drinking God knows what out of an Oasis bottle. Very mm. paisley. Um, love it. And then... I then go on to do the Joni tune, Two Grey Rooms, and I start telling my wee story about what that tune's inspired by. And I was like, you know, mm -hmm. Joni was inspired by this German aristocrat. What the fuck's that? I, I was like, oh, you know, like a, a philanthropist or like, a, I don't know what you're on about. And it was all getting very, and the lovely oh, folk no. from the arts festival were, let's just say, they're quite lovely and well-to-do folk. And then it was like this lovely lovely woman i forget her name she was beautiful she's a content pianist and i'm sorry if you hear this but oh we're just having a problem with one of the patrons who may have consumed alcohol and i was like oh my god here we go so anyway long story short paisley bampot gets escorted out and oh, then shit. we're yeah <laughs> and then we're playing sailing from there on in but i just thought do you know what this is absolutely classic i love coming home like i'm in an abbey I'm getting denied a hot drink and I'm getting heckled within an inch of my life. And then I, we do the gig and it's like torrential rain and I have to drive with my family to the Premier Inn at Glasgow Airport because I'm getting up at four to come back to London the next morning. I'm like, do you know what? This is going great. But the this best is thing is, the best thing is, this is the cherry on top. My mum says, and did you meet the woman that uh, with the miracle? I was like, sorry, what? I was, by this point, I'm like, I can't even. She was like, th there was a lady there that had been doing a wee bit of shopping up Brayhead, right? Mm. And she'd forgotten her stick up in Brayhead. But it was all good, right? Because she didn't need the stick to walk anymore. Because after seeing me and Fergus, <laughs> she said that a miracle had occurred and she could walk without her stick. You cured her. So I, I've actually, this weekend, I've been heckled. I've had approximately three hours sleep over three days and I've cured someone from needing to walk with a stick. And I hope that wee lady that lied to you in a very unchristian way and wouldn't get you a cup of tea, which is very rude, I hope she feels bad now she knows you're a miracle worker. Exactly. I'm there healing the congregation and I'm not even yep. getting a fucking cup of tea. How rude. It was very rude. But um, yeah, no, I just wanted to share that that story with you it's nice sometimes to get out of london and just remember the rest of the world honestly i have never been happier i sound like such a dickhead but like i love going home right and i love glasgow to bits but like when i got up at four o'clock in the morning and it was like torrential rain and dark as fuck and i was in the premier inn in paisley at glasgow airport oh my god i was like this is apocalypse now get me back to <laughs> london like and then even like walking through glasgow airport like the heads that turned like looking at me like <laughs> I went into fucking James Martin kitchen or fucking Steve's kitchen or whatever the fuck it is. And I was like, do you have any, like, can you do me some porridge with oat milk? They're like, what? And I was like, no, no, like, can you do porridge, like, but not with dairy milk? And they were like, I don't know. Suzanne, Suzanne, can we do porridge with oat milk? Well, I'll need to make it fresh. And 
And I was like, that's fine, don't worry. She's like, it'll be Ideal. about five minutes. And I was like, no, that's great. And the scowls from Suzanne. And all she had to do was ping it in the micro, right? She didn't even do it in a pot. So I was like, anyway. And at this point, I'm like, fuck it. Shall I just break my veganism and eat a block of cheese to get through the day? <laughs> but then I was like, well, I'm about to go up like 35,000 feet in the air. I probably don't want to be shitting my pants. Um, Ideally but not. But yeah, when I got back to East London and nobody gave a shit or looked at me twice, I was like, oh, this is good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's nice to go away and it's nice to come home. And it's nice to have multiple homes as well. I feel like I come home when I come back to London and then I feel like I go home when I go to Scotland. Exactly. I mean, it was bizarre because I didn't... Like, the physical space of home has been changing for me a lot. Like, my mum sold our family home. Mm. And, like, the house that she now lives in, although it's literally down the stairs, like, and I've been in it before, because um, she's lucky enough to own two properties. Um, she's not Tory scum, don't worry. Um, it doesn't feel like home to me at all I have no emotional yeah. attachment to that house so yeah. this room that I'm sitting in now is is my home I've made this my home for now and I think home is wherever you make it and, and Definitely. god I sound like live laugh love but <laughs> um, but you know anyway I remember when I um, we had a, a, a kind of a Scottish bit of our wedding in uh, like a church hall um, in Dunfermline actually where I think Sam is now and uh, I had um, this like really nice uh, like 50s halter neck dress on that was red and the lady that was running the hall when I went I came out she went is that what you're wearing <laughs> I was the like, welcome, welcome home. <laughs> I mean, I've just realised that like churches 10 out of 10 for swimming in your own lush reverberant sound. Yep. Zero out of 10 for welcoming atmosphere. It's actually very unchristian, the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> swimming in your own shame. Yes. 10 yes. out of 10. How to make swimming you in your shamed. own reverb. How <laughs> yeah, to make exactly. you feel shame. Turn up to church. <laughs> Um, I went to the theatre twice this week, oh which means God. it was a good week. Amazing. What did you see? Uh, firstly, I went to see a staging of an Agatha Christie uh, <gasps> book called Witness for the Prosecution, which was in like that a, looks a real amazing. courtroom, yeah, I've seen which that. was yeah, really yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the next night I went to see The Normal Heart. What did you think? I Here, um, here are my hot takes. Ben Daniels. There aren't very many men I find attractive, but I think he is d- a delight. Was because he, of how Mustachio? He is. Yeah, yeah, he's he the main was character. Fit. Um, Liz Carr, what I a delight to see you turn Liz up Carr. because I want to want you to be in everything because I think you're a delight. And her two part interview Homo in sapiens. Homo Sapiens, insane, right? Yeah, absolute yeah. banger. Um, I really liked the kind of the constant kind of tension between hard power and soft power in activism and organising that yeah, felt like it resonated it in a really interesting way. And um, I I watched, do you remember we had that weird conversation where I had asked, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah, have an American yeah, accent, yeah. right? So then it's really interesting to see that, that, that little video, that little trailer mm. is sort of like them doing one of the scenes in, yes, the, in the rehearsal, rehearsal room. Yeah. And it's really interesting to see it how it how it actually built and then was what the result was mm. because it was a very different delivery to what it was. It was. I was 
Uh, right, straight up, right? I'm so glad I saw it. And I think it's a pivot. It's a really, it's not pivotal for me, actually. I think it's a really important bit of theatre. Yeah. And I'm really glad I saw it. It didn't hit me in the gut in the way I wanted it to. Mm. And I don't know, I don't think that was to do with the acting. Um, no, I don't think I so. I thought all I, the actors were really great in it. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it shows that it was written in the 80s. Yeah. I think it, yeah. it, it didn't... I, I mean, when he's when he's lying on the bed and he says, what am I meant to do without you? I was having a little sob to myself. Well, and also, my, my, the bit that really got me the most was maybe... Um, not got me the most... That I felt most alive as an audience member was when they're having the really intense fight and he's like throwing things at his partner when he's on the ground and stuff. And I was like, right, this is the kind of hair raising, real raw, brutal yeah. drama that I wanted to see. And I felt the rest of it was quite, um, there was something slightly narrow, like, like almost like, it was a narration of a series of events, which it maybe was, as opposed to a push and pull of drama and and yeah. And I'm not saying I want it to be Liberace, but it didn't. Something about that night in that place. Maybe if I went back and saw it tomorrow, it'd be completely different. But some, it, I I wasn't fully stimulated the whole time, and that's a yeah. big ask for any bit of theatre. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I, I After the first act, I thought, I fully am on board with how brilliant everyone is in the cast. Mm. But you but wanted like, it to go up then, and it didn't go up far enough for me, maybe. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I was prepared for a very painful Same. few hours. So was I, and, and I wasn't, uh, and, and, actually and I felt I got, all right. Yeah. yeah. No, like, I, I agree. I was like, who I went with, I said, you know, get me the tissues ready. I'm ready to, I'm really yeah. ready to, to live this. And yeah. when I think of um, films like, is it 120 BPM or 130 BPM? You, do you know that film about the French branch of ACT UP and the AIDS crisis? It's, I don't. Adam knew about it. I remember talking to him about it. it okay. It's an incredible film on Netflix. And that is like, oh just your heart is wrenched from your chest and the passion and it's really a similar is the, the a similar time and setting and activism mm. and and yeah this just felt a little bit it also didn't feel very nuanced to me in places it was very like one minute it's all very mundane and day-to-day -day and then the next minute it's like huge existential in the writing it felt very jumpy i think um there's there's probably no way to say this without sounding like a bit of a fanny, so I'll mm. just embrace that. But I think if you were someone who didn't know about the AIDS crisis at all, it would be a huge eye-opening piece of yes. theatre. Yes, right? totally, yes. Yeah. I think that to, if, you were, if you grew up in a world where you didn't have men like uh, Thingy Duda, what was his name, Niles or... Giles or Lyle or whatever his name was, the, the president of the organisation mm. who was sort of closeted. If you didn't grow up around people who were sort of very ashamed of themselves and were like kind of, you know, that, that push and pull between people who wanted to be out and people who didn't. That, and then if you, like when he said, there's a line where he says, oh, the, the mayor's found some money, it's $9,000. 
you know, if you if you didn't have any idea of that, it would be an incredibly shocking piece of work because yeah. because you still can't believe that's true. Yeah, any I, of that is true. I totally agree with what you're saying, Kim, and I and I think like yeah, and and to restage it in a year where we've had it's a sin pose, yeah, like it's really difficult to then come back with something that was written in the eighties that for me doesn't go far enough. But when I, what it made me think of is when we had that discussion on the pod a while back about the AIDS angel, about the lady who, yeah. who, and and I felt like her story was yep. so painful yep. from, well, n- not painful, but just really emotional from yep. start to finish. Yeah, yeah. And where's that's that what play? I thought I was going to get it. Well, where's that play? That's what no, I where is that see, play exactly? You know, that's what and I not just see. her, but all of the other people. Yeah, I think yeah. that's it. I I think that I would definitely be more interested in a new piece of work about that time than the restaging of an older yeah. piece of work. Um, and I, I, I actually think everyone's American accents were really good, but it still makes me think sometimes, why are we bothering to do this when all the cast are English? Yeah. Just have your own accents, it's fine. <laughs> like Yeah, I, uh, yeah because even in the, the, the staging of it, it felt quite old school, I think. And and, yeah. the, and how, they, how the actors carried themselves felt very, mm-hmm. I am an actor, as opposed to... I think it was, me and you it was are, very are theater, both, theater. Yeah, I think me and you are both um, similar in the way that we like to see real, real humans in their messy glory as on, as much as actors on stage. We like that kind of push and pull between. Definitely, because I think yeah, you're right. That's the scene where they're they're fighting is is the most that's impactful. The most scene. human bit of when the whole he throws thing. the milk. Yeah, yeah, and it explodes, and it's like it to get to that point when you love someone so much but you're so angry at them yep. and you're angry at yep. them for dying and yep. it's so awful and it's so unfair and everyone's just yeah at their most raw yeah. that's when it's like that was the know. bit that I felt most alive as yeah. an audience member yeah yeah absolutely yeah 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 but I would still recommend to anyone to see it because it's an important bit of theatre oh it definitely is and I, and I think the cast are amazing yeah they're amazing yeah Especially um, who played the southern guy. Yeah, they he's, he's really that was a good. a great character to have amongst it. and A really good character, yeah. He yeah. was, that was a beautiful bit of casting for sure. Yeah. And then, right, so, tell and us then, about what you suggested for this week. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so we, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but we tend to have a small conversation in the week about what we're going to do. Mm. And that's it. And often one of us will have a have a thing. A hanker, yeah, kind of like, ah, oh, I know. Yeah, let's do that. And then sometimes because of what's happened in the world or whatever, we'll we'll both come up with a thing. Um, and I, there's this lovely questionnaire that um, I first came across in Vanity Fair, actually, that's run in Vanity Fair for a long time, 20 years maybe. Um, which is called the Proust Questionnaire, named after Marcel Proust, who apparently used it as a like a kind of parlour game, like he used to pose questions when he was at dinner parties and stuff. Um, and I, the one that sticks in my mind is David Bowie. I remember reading his, and they were really short answers, but re- like felt like you really got to know someone. Just mm. not tired questions that people ask in interviews that are boring and awful like really interesting stuff that you don't hear people talk about so i shared it 
with Luca and said, maybe we should do this. And then you'd said that you were sort of thinking along the same kind of lines, weren't you? Of a structured conversation that wasn't about an issue. And also something that we could both dig into personally and come back with our own answers to, which is kind of how we work anyway, but just something as direct as this is really beautiful, I think. Definitely. And I think also in the last little while, there's been, we've both been kind of really busy and really pushed. And so Mm. it's usually been when we've decided on what to do. One of us has driven it and the other ones, you know. And I think neither of us had that ability to drive this week, maybe, yeah. Exactly. So Marcel Proust can drive the bus. Here we are. Let's let's Um, go for it. Do you know about Proust? Have you read any Proust? No, tell us. No? Because he's mentioned in the the normal heart, isn't he? In the thing we soliloquy about mm-hmm. all the famous all the famous gays all the gays all of the best the to- the smash hits mm. list of gays he's i think the first one that he mentions um so he uh, he's a french author um born kind of end of the 19th century um kind of most well known for this seven volume huge piece of work called um either remembrance of things past or in search of lost time that's those are the two ways that it's been translated into english um and it's really i'm just at the moment i'm reading a book called how proust can change your life when it's this really interesting book about how you how it his work kind of forces you to read in a different way um and there's this thing where, so he finishes this, Marcel Proust was a super weird little lad. He kind of stayed in bed for like most of his life. He always had something wrong with him. He always thought he was dying. Like he always went out with 45 jumpers on and like he was a bit of a sort of wet blanket. Mm. Um, and so he wrote this massive, you know, this absolute epic piece of work, sent the manuscript out. And everyone was like, what the fuck is this? And there's this letter that one of the publishers wrote to a friend of the publishers who was a mutual friend of Proust's that says, like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it one bit. Like, how can a man spend 30 pages talking about lying in your bed falling asleep? (laughs) (laughs) And... um, and like, and so he he ended up actually having to self fund the publication. It was one of those things that it took a long time for it to be recognised. But there's something really nice because it forces you to slow down. Mm. It's not a book you can skim read. And actually, he's he's a very good teacher in in asking you to be present and asking you to recognise things and notice things. He said he hated cliches, and he said you know like someone wrote this piece of work and sent it to him to to get their feed gets feedback on it and i think they'd they'd used a phrase like the sun the sun burned in the sky and then they'd said something about the moon shone discreetly and he was like well yes the sun burns in the sky and the moon shines discreetly but like everyone says that it's really lazy mm. to say these things like clichés are just really boring ways to describe really amazing things mm. um and i think these questions are are really interesting, like blunt, big questions that come from a man who isn't really bothered with cliches and bullshit. Yes, 
which, you know, sign us up for that. Um, So I don't know how we should play this. Should we do, should we just go through them one by one? Yeah. Do shots each? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the first question that is asked is, what is your idea of perfect happiness? So tell us, what's yours? Okay. I did this on the train. So my answers are a bit scatty. Okay. So I wrote, I really want to say a bowl of my home-cooked tuna pasta swimming in mayonnaise with half a block of cheese on top, but I'm a vegan now. (laughs) What I'm interested in is how do you define happiness as perfect? I suppose I believe that you have to take the rough with the smooth in order to fully experience life. What I long for is contentment, to go to bed at night happy with who I am in the world, what I create and who I'm surrounded by. So for me, true happiness is when I'm my most authentic self in every aspect of my life. I don't know if I'll ever get to this point, but I think this happiness might be close to perfect. Good answer. Good train answer. Honestly, I, after that, I was like, and now I'll sit for half an hour and just <laughs> chill out. Honestly, I was yeah. having an existential on the train. It was terrible. Well, it's actually... I. I kind of sat down to answer them and I was like, well, I'm going to have to take a break here Honestly, it was exhausting, like, yeah. but amazing. Tell us your answer. Um, so, yeah, when I was trying to think about it, the thing that I kept coming back to was, was about time. So about like, you know, being in a place with lots of books and having the time to sit and read them. Mm. Being with people that I really love and having the time to devote to spending mm, with them one-on-one. Um, you know, being in an art gallery and having the time to spend as much. And I think, and that's, that's, I think, perfect happiness is, is me being able to devote enough time to something that it mm. deserves. Um, which is nice in the way because that's very achievable. And that's something that I can have a lot of control over. I suppose mm. it's, it's, we all make choices about how much time we spend. But yeah, time, time is my happiness. That's beautiful. Um, I love that. And I was thinking about like what my favorite like parts of the day are. And there's p- really really early in the morning I really love. It feels like time goes really slowly. Mm-hmm. Um I am an early riser. My mum is, my granny is, and we've talked about it and it is this sense of like there's a real stillness. It feels like yeah, you just you you've got the luxury of time. You can yeah. get a lot done. You don't have to rush around. You're not like chasing after yourself. And then the other bit of time I really love is the bit in the early evening when everyone thinks to themselves, I can stop working now. And so like if you're with at someone's house or whatever, it's the bit where they like kind of switch off and they pour a glass of wine or they start yeah. cooking. Yeah. And the whole evening's like stretched out in front of you. So you, you're not kind of rushing to finish conversations or anything. And it just feels like you're luxuriating in all this time that you have and people Mm. are focused on spending time together. So those are my two best times. Yes, love. I agree, actually. Yeah. Nice. All right, do you want to ask the second one? Question two is, which historical figure do you most identify with? This was hard. Yes, so hard. Um, I, I sat and I thought for ages and then I was thinking, like, a lot of the historical figures that I think of when I think of that phrase are awful people Mm. Mm. (laughs) um and the one so then yeah I kind of farted around with this for ages um 
I don't think that I identify with her, but I think I really admire Joan Didion, who's an American writer, um, who is kind of essayist, like a non-fiction writer. And uh, she is someone who life has dealt her a lot of dog shit. Um, there's this amazing book she's written called The Year of Magical Thinking, which is a, which kind of starts when she's sitting at a table with her husband, they married for a very long time. She's a grown-up child. Um, they're having a nice chat over dinner. Um, as he gets up, he slips and he hits his head off the table and he dies. Um, and it's just one of those kind of one in a million, you know, kind of head injury things. And suddenly, on a Tuesday night, she's on her own. Like, her whole world has changed. Oh. And so it's, the, it's about this year where she kind of processes it. And I just think she's... So incredibly strong and brave. Or you see a picture of her. She's this tiny wee lady, this really frail little lady. Well, oh, that's or that's what she looks like. But she's got this incredible strength, and she lost her daughter as well. Um, but yeah, she's very eloquent and honest and truthful. And if I could identify with her, I would like to. If I can be any bits of her, then that's who I'd like to be. Please. Oh, that's such a beautiful answer. I How found about you? it so so difficult yeah that the answer i came up with was that i most identified with jesus because he has daddy issues but um actually on reflection to what you said someone that was coming recurring in my mind is mark ashton okay tell us about mark ashton was like the one of the leading figures in lgsm lesbian and gay support the minors Mm -hmm. and have this kind of stars in the film pride well the actor who plays him and I think when I first saw that film as a young queer person involved in activism that it really resonated with me and I was really inspired by Mark Ashton and I would like to think that I could identify with him in some ways that's a brilliant answer um okay so the third question is which living person do you most admire? Cool. Uh, this one was so hard. So hard. First person that came to mind was the artist Alok, who I speak about all the time. Mm-hmm. For the sheer grace and power they show by being their authentic selves, the ways in which they use their platform, their brilliant mind and creativity to educate us all, to share ideas, to connect and create community. I'm just in awe. Um, also Lil Nas X for similar reasons. Like, yeah. I rewatched that Saturday Night Live performance and it remains a groundbreaking moment in like our culture and I think he's incredible. Mm-hmm. And then like just thirdly, like all the people whose names we don't we don't know, like those who selflessly like day in, day out look out for folk in their community without any thanks or recognition. So like yep. I just admire anyone that's um devoting time to others and without the need for validation for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful answer. Yeah, I found this one really hard as well. It was really hard to, like, narrow it down. And what I realised is that, actually, the process of, like, admiring people, celebrating them while they're alive... Is difficult. ...is a really important, like, part of my sort of daily practice of life now. Um, And I I guess I was always kind of aware of it, but I I really learnt the lesson when... Um, John Cumming died 
of feeling like, oh my God, I, I didn't have enough time to tell you mm. all the things that you were. Um, and thinking, okay, so we definitely need to do that to everyone now. We need to always make sure, you know, never take anything for granted, never assume that people know how much they you think about you, them, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I think what I realised was when I could, when I started to really have that consciously in my mind, thinking about, like, highlighting people's strengths and sort of admirable qualities, you end up seeing them all the time. And so, like, I've got to a point now where, honestly, like, I just admire everyone around mm. me. There's, so, but there's, like, I find really important, valuable lessons in so many places that I think as when I was younger, I was quite dismissive of people who made different choices to me or people who, yeah, who def had different priorities to me or, and I've learned now to, to be far more accepting of, of, or, of people. And that's an ongoing process, but I actually think the most important thing is to admire people while they're still alive yeah. and just tell them all the time, just tell them to the point of embarrassment. Yeah. Like make people feel uncomfortable by yeah. telling them how brilliant you think they are, because there's no way that that can go wrong. That's never going to backfire. Yeah, I you're never so going to say, I, so "I wish agree. I hadn't told that person how much I I love them." Yeah, that's not a thing, is it? Yes. So yeah, admire all yes, people. Yes, yes, yes. Gas up your pals. Uh, all right. What's the next one? Which trait do you most deplore in yourself? I love this. Yeah, good question. It's, it's like, yeah, sit down with yourself and yeah. That's it. Have a think to yourself. Uh, mine is spite, being spiteful, uh, kind of punitive, you know, like you've wronged me. I want you to feel mm. bad too. Mm. Um, it's, it's a learned behavior, but I've learned it from a very young age and it's definitely my default position if I'm not really careful to use you know kind of coldness or or meanness or cruelty actually when i'm hurt yeah to to push against it as a sort of defense mechanism yeah and i think it's a very ugly quality mm, good answer i said my need for validation yeah my measuring of my own worth determined by the seal of approval from others something i'm trying to work on constantly Listening, I'm trying to listen to what makes me happy and when I'm proud of myself, tuning into how mm -hmm. I feel. Um, I think while it's important and very human to celebrate your successes and mourn your losses with your nearest and dearest, the danger of social media-driven world we live in means that it's easy to fall into an unhealthy pattern of making choices and decisions based on what you think other people want from you and not necessarily listening to yourself. Mm -hmm. and I've found that this can have a huge impact on my mood you know if something isn't as well received as I thought it would be or or if I'd hoped it would be then sometimes you know then it can have a huge impact on my mood and, and sometimes I just want to keep things for me yeah because that's when I most enjoy them you know if yep. I'm happy with it then surely that's all that matters and if it resonates with folk then great but I've really tried to especially in a creative context just be think about what makes me happy and and that'll result in just creating stuff that's authentic and and also i think in my personal life like just uh, the best things happen when i feel happy with who i am and and what yeah. i'm up to rather than trying to 
pander to what I think people want from me, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think that validation thing is like the ghost that haunts all of us who... Yeah. Well, certainly those of us who decide to professionalise our yeah. self-expression, yeah. right? It's just so hard to know how to deal with, in a healthy way, what other people think of you. Yeah. And then also, like, fear of rejection such a huge yeah. thing like in relationships and friendships and you know in social situations like just you know kind of not needing like like you know self-assuredness is so sexy people that know themselves mm-hmm. enough to be able to just be and yep. like so, some uh, i think that thing of like seeking validation all the time and being really insecure is like Something that if I ever see it myself, I'm like, oh, it gives me the ick. I'm like, stop it. Definitely. And actually, I f- this is intolerant of me, but I find it quite tiring in other people. Yeah, it is. I find it's very draining. Yeah. I just want to tell people, you're more, you're, you're enough, enough now. You're enough. You're enough yeah. now. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Just exist. Please, please just realise that you're enough. Yeah. Um. Okay, so then, a bit... Uh, it kind of pivots and the, the next question is what is the trait you most deplore in other people? I feel like I just went on a big old rant here but um, I said people who are overly judgmental or critical of other people. Mm-hmm. So those who look down on others without question, who constantly put other people down, suck the energy out of me, you know, like they can't celebrate anyone else's success but their own. You yeah. know, they're, they're super rigid. They can't accept the difference of others. They believe in their soul view as gospel. And they're often the type of folk who will argue their point to the nth degree without listening to anyone else. So, yeah. you know, just people that are super judgmental and bitchy and horrible and just, they're often never happy about anything. They're just so fucking dark and sad and twisted. And I hate that. Yeah, I agree. My yeah, my answer is basically the same. It's people that feel superior to other people, yeah. which is the same thing. Which is like the, it's the um, the superiority is what people feel, and the symptom is when you judge others, right? Because yeah, yeah. you think everyone's kind of lower than you. Totally. Um, I hate the. Even when you meet someone or you watch someone do this, where they. And in our field, you know, kind of like performance, people who will be quite hostile and quite rude until they see you perform and if you're good or if they think you're good then you're allowed the kind of politeness and that's exactly the the geniality yeah and i think it's vile that there's some sort of hierarchy of of who you who's allowed who's worthy of your civility it's 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 something that you see a lot like i've i'm working in hospitality for half my life and a, a week you know half my week and it's so interesting. I can rock up to a gig somewhere and I'm treated like an artist that has, you know, that everyone has the pleasure of listening to. But if I'm serving you coffee, then you won't even like pause your phone call to look at me. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like I just think that's, I'm like, you should respect me regardless of what I do in other aspects of my life, you know? Um, yeah. And I think it's very telling how people treat um, cleaners, bus drivers, people in hospitality, um, it's, it's really a class thing for me it is a class thing and I think you're right it's very very telling of the real sort of core of someone yeah. Yeah. you can learn a lot from the way they behave too 
anyone in the service industry. Yeah. I think it's very hard to hide that. And when I see someone behave in a way that I, that makes me uncomfortable, it's very hard for me to change my opinion of them once I've seen it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Okay. What's the next one? Question six is what is your greatest extravagance? On the this topic is a of snobbery. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I was trying to think like, okay, well, what, what did, what's my definition of extravagance, right? Because I'm sure other people would look at me and there'd be things that they would think are extravagant, yeah. right? Like food I buy or, mm. you know, whatever. I was trying to think like, what is my extravagance? So then I came up with two things. One is I have an illness, like an actual uncontrollable illness where I cannot resist beautiful water bottles Ooh, and i just have to buy them love <laughs> so i have a house full of water bottles and i just can't help it I can't i can't go past one I and i know it. i don't need it but i have to do it it's a compulsion um and it's obviously go- it flies in the face of the fact that they're supposed to be sustainable and you don't know that you're supposed to have one yeah that's the point that it's sustainable instead of Brilliant. Having Brilliant. as many as you would if they were single use. Oh, incredible. So beautiful water bottles is mine. What's yours? I was like, oh God, I feel like I have a few. I'm terrible for an <laughs> indulgence, honestly. Because <laughs> I'm the same. I'm like, well, I love a bougie meal out. Would people say that that's extravagant of me? But I'm like, well, I don't drink anymore. So I'm allowed to go and spend £18 on a plate of food that's mm-hmm. delicious. But I reckon at the moment, if we're talking like money, like things, mm. I've discovered Le Labo perfumes. Okay. And shout out to Tom Potter, who's like my partner, my brother in Le Labo, um, Solidarity. It's like we fully fuel each other's obsession with these smells and okay. they're very expensive and not, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would be like why, why are you spending money on that but for me i'm i'm so one for a sensory experience and as mm-hmm. much as i love aesthetic i love a scent and i love you know it's an extension of who you are and totally like i'm just justifying myself now but yeah that's my extravagance at the moment the labo perfumes oh love so and that's an interesting one so my mum is of the belief that a good scent is an essential. It's not an extravagance. Ah. So she always... So in my stocking at Christmas, I always have a bottle of really nice perfume. And she's like, Can it's, she just, a, a it's just a base level. And exactly, that's the, that's the kind of stocking you want. Oh, and yeah. I appreciate that because I, I agree with you. Smell you memories are smell really powerful. Great, actually, now that I think about it. Um, but I'm going to check out the Labo. That's exciting. Oh, are they? Beautiful. Is it a sort of... Um, genderless genderless like the yeah just go and experience that shop and everyone that works there is utterly gorgeous of course and like oh it's just such an it's an experience it's a full-on experience and that's what I love being able to go somewhere and just have an experience and feel like yeah you're taking this is my, another one. That's one of the things I really miss about travel is that in airports you always have Joe Malone shops and I love yeah, picking myself up a little yeah, bottle of Joe Malone. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's our next question? Uh, most overrated virtue. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Yeah. So I was, look- I was looking them up just to make sure I, I was aware of all the virtues, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I actually think that the the Greeks kind of nailed it with their list. So they've got like justice, yep, yeah, I'm in. Wisdom, fortitude, self-control, positive attitude, love, gratitude, perseverance, integrity and humility. I was like, I'm finding it hard to pick one of them that's overrated. But then I was thinking like, do you know how there's like ancient wonders of the world mm. and then there's modern wonders yeah, of the world? Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely saw a bigger list. So then I was thinking, okay, so if I'm thinking about the modern virtues, mm. I think the most shit one is this thing that we tell everyone they've got to fit in. Mm. They got to like go with the flow and they've got to be part of the mainstream. And I wish that we would stop telling anyone that. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm, I'm on board with the Greeks. Like I think, I think they got it right. What list did you find? It was a similar one. It was just one online, but I think humility probably turned into modesty. And I said yeah. that modesty was the most overrated virtue. Definitely. Because I think we often misunderstand and misinterpret this as a reason to inflict shame and keep us small. Definitely. So it's similar to what you said. We should be our unapologetic selves and confident in our ability. And I think it's so British to not want to come across as arrogant. Yeah. Um, which often leads to people being overly apologetic about who they are and what they bring to the table. But also in the physical sense, like modesty is such a drag. Like mm -hmm. I literally looked up the definition that said, modesty is def defined as the act of showing reserve in behaviour or clothes. An example of modesty is when you wear a shirt over your bathing suit because you don't want to show off too much of your body. And I thought, no, yeah, sack that, fuck that. Been that one. That's interesting, isn't it? Because that's like two different ways... Two different words that theoretically define the same thing, yeah. but are very different. Very different humility, connotations. I'm fully on board with yeah. pe people having humility. Yeah. I think that's good. Humility, modesty. I see, is like the bow of a head yes. to, to someone. And modesty, I see, is like a cowering away. Definitely. And shame. And I think humility is also being able to say, I was wrong, or I yes. don't know the answer, yes. or you know more than me, can yes. you teach me, or something. Yes. But modesty is something much more sinister, mm. which is about like hiding yourself, yeah, which yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't think we need to be getting involved in. Fully agree. Yeah. Fully so agree. let's get rid of that one. Yeah. That, Next question. On. Um, on which occasion do you lie? I said damage control. Okay. So it's possibly never a good thing, but it's about damage control and to prevent a greater evil so to okay. save something else or to prevent something worse from happening in the immediate that you can then sort out later um mm -hmm. yeah I, I really 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 try to avoid lying um because it often just you know it's a classic cliche but it's really difficult um, to keep it up um, yeah. but I think in split second decisions there can be instances where you don't want to inflict as much pain so mm -hmm. you might rely on it for that reason yep that's a good answer because um, it's a hard question isn't it and mm. you really that's one where you really sit down with yourself yeah. and ask like when is it alright so mine, 
<laughs> is the and it's actually something that I'm mesmerised by and I think everyone's got one and I love to collect them and think about them all the time because I think they're amazing which are panic lies mm. okay so my panic lie was um, when I was in high school um, we had this it was my final interview to be head girl which I was successful at hey. yes so the lie worked but um being asked all these questions, what do you want your legacy to be, blah, 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 blah. Then, because they knew that I played music and I was interested in jazz, the assistant head, the deputy rector, asked me, have you seen the film Ray? I had not seen the film Ray. Yeah, but Kim, this is an ongoing thing of yours. <laughs> We'd literally had this in the last episode. You talking and I absolute said, dog shit about the films you've seen. I said, yes, I have seen it. And he was like, what's your favourite part? And I was like, whoa, so many parts of the film I haven't seen to choose from. And I sort of like farted my way through it. And obviously, either they thought she hadn't seen this film, she'd been a fanny, or they, they, they worked, I don't know. And my fly was down as well, so there's a lot going on. It, 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 oh I think they were gosh. overwhelmed. Yeah. But um, I love to hear other people's. Now, my mother-in-law listens to this podcast and I'm not going to embarrass her by sharing what her panic lie is oh but she's God. got a really good one of a very small piece of information that you agree to so you're not saying anything you're just saying yes to something right mm-hmm. oh have you seen this film have you done this thing which has huge ramifications oh for God. like 20 years beyond and I think everyone's got one because in some social situations you just lie like someone asks you for directions oh yeah what's the way what's the way to this thing and you just go it's that way you have no idea yeah yeah what if, what if that person finds you so panic lying is my least favorite type of lying but like you I do try as best as possible not to tell for beans yeah good one um Big, big one next. Yeah. Oh, what is your greatest regret? It's a big one. It's hard. I really, I really try not to have regrets. I think it's a really, um, it's has a potential to waste a huge amount of energy. Yeah, I believe, yeah, it's a hindering quality. It's a preventative from moving on thing. This sort of lamenting of something. Mm. The thing with, the thing is that it's completely futile because it's finished now. And so I don't think there's any point in like dwelling. Yeah. I don't want to be a dweller. But the one thing that I think that I honestly do regret is that um, when I was younger, um, I had the best friend, Katrina, and she um, she became very unwell. Uh, like, she had kind of struggles with mental illness. And I was, I guess we were like 16 or 17 or... Anyway, I wasn't I, I wasn't in a place where I could kind of handle that properly. And I really regret not being able to kind of provide a safe place for her or make her feel like she could be who she was, that her illness didn't define her. Mm. Um, and as a result of that, we lost touch. And so even though it's been like 17 years, oh my God. Yes, 15 or 16, 17 years. I think about it a lot. Mm. If I could go back in a time machine, that's the one place I'd go back to. Mm. How about you? Mine was slightly more vague, but I said, I guess any time I've lost my integrity, which I really try and make few, Mm. but whenever I've been too scared to speak up 
or said something that went against my beliefs in any way. Mm-hmm. I'd hope that these moments are few and I can't think of specific examples, but I know they've happened. When I've laughed along to a joke for fear of what would happen if I challenged it or when I've allowed yep. folk to say or do something I know is wrong without challenge due to the exhaustion of having to fight it yet again. And actually one example that did come to mind was I was stopped outside my flat one night and I was being tormented by a guy in my clothes about what I was wearing and he suddenly asked me if I was gay and I automatically said no. Yeah. And I remember that really haunted me for a long time because it opened a can of worms Yeah. of me thinking, I understood the logic behind what I did because it was again about damage limitation. I didn't know mm. where the situation was going to go. Yeah. But I thought, I regret, I lost my integrity in that moment mm-hmm. because I wasn't who I say I am, which is someone who is proud and who would fight and who would stand strong. I didn't, you know, yeah. so yeah, any moment like that, I guess I have some kind of regret for. Yeah, and that's a big one. I think any time where, yeah, like you say, if someone makes a joke or if someone says something about someone else or to someone else, mm. and instead of saying, hang on, excuse me, what yeah. was that? You and just you let always it go. Say, I should have said something. I, I try to avoid those something. moments in life Yeah. where I'm going to think I should have said something. Definitely, exactly. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, okay, the next question is, when and where are you at your happiest? Did I go first in the last one? No. I no, remember. I did. All right. So I have two answers. Mm-hmm. The first has got to be in a, in a performance setting, that, you mm-hmm. know, losing myself in the moment. That that electrifying energy of not really being conscious of what's happening you're just in it and anyone that's a performer will know what I mean yeah. like just that state of flux of just being in, a, in, in it and pres- fully present but also not in a weird way mm-hmm. the second one is that moment just after you've had incredible sex and you just get to lie there yep. and you're not like nobody's speaking you're just existing in a kind of state of bliss and connect connectedness, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are good ones. Thanks. Um, yeah, I think for me, um, I think I can find happiness in wee tiny things and I'm glad of that. Mm. Um, so it's actually quite easy f- to have places and times where I feel happiest um, because... I, I try hard to kind of notice them and not not always hope for the big, giant, massive, life-changing yeah, bits, but yeah, just yeah. the wee nice bits. Um, we have a cottage in the highlands and at the bottom of the garden is the River Spey and you, there's a little bench down there and you can sit and you can listen, you can hear the river. And it's really quiet otherwise, you can't hear a road and you can't hear anything. And you can just sit down there forever. And a few years ago, we were there and it was Christmas. And it was on on Christmas Eve, it started snowing. And snow, snow is really cool because it's a really silent weather. Mm. So even when it's really heavy snowfall, there is no sound to yeah. it, which makes it like really a weird thing. 
and I, uh, I remember sitting there and I have jumper on and a hat on and sitting in this kind of silent snowstorm and thinking, you're, you're a lucky That's little bee. That's amazing. Yeah. I but that. I think if we, I think if I was honest with myself, I could find those points every day. And if I'm in a good place, then I can find them. And then if I'm not feeling so great, that's when they start being quite hard yeah. to find, you know. That's um, amazing. So it's almost like an exercise to to be aware. Definitely. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. What's the next one? This is a hard one as well. What do you consider your greatest achievement? I know. Like what? Christ. Bringing out the big guns. Yeah. So I'm definitely someone who the last book they read is the best book they've ever read. Yeah. Last film they've seen, yeah. Best, yeah. best film. Literally you know. same, yeah. Last gig, best gig. Yeah. And I actually really like that about myself same. because when I think back in my life, I always think, yeah, it's, get, it's got better and better. Yes, yes. And um, I, I really value that in myself and I really hope that I don't let that change because, yeah, if someone said, what was your best gig? I'd say the gig I did last week. <laughs> And I re- and I genuinely mean it. It's not like some throwaway thing. I really think that you know, just as I get older and as I build on things, things get better. Yeah. So hopefully, my you know my greatest achievement is the one I've just had, and it will be the next one. I literally wrote the same thing. Yes. I was like, Snap. I'm not going to point. There's something so materialistic about pinpointing like a single thing, an accolade or a moment of mm. recognition. It's like. Well, for what? Because I want it to be everything that's still to come, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah exactly. And I think people can sometimes get... It's easy to be fixated on one of those things and then as they get further and further in the past, they get it starts getting scarier and scarier. Yeah, totally. Because you're like, totally. bloody hell, I haven't done anything since then. Exactly. Of course you have. And then um, you build okay, regret so and then you're fucked. You're totally fucked, Exactly. Um, okay, um, if you could choose to come back as something, what would it be? I'd love to come back as something like an artist's sketch pad, a photographer's camera, Prince's guitar, like yeah. something that allows you to see into the mind of someone incredible and you go on loads oh. of cool adventures with them because there's that intimacy between like an artist and the thing that allows them to create the art. Yeah. So like the tool or the instrument or the whatever. So I want to be that object because it would like, I, I especially answer. think like the lens of a camera would be so yeah. cool. Exactly. Being able to see through a photographer's eyes. Yeah. Holy moly. That's the best answer. Thanks. Um, I'd be a bee. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you definitely should have gone first on that one. <laughs> Um, I think bees are amazing. I and love bees. the thing that I think is most amazing is um, I think about the sort of activist part of me, the sort of organizing part of me. I think the thing that's really incredible about bees and actually about insects is uh, this kind of collective mind. Yes. Where n- the none of them united work for will themselves. never be defeated. That's right. And this sense of like. Uh, Working for something bigger than yourself, mm. making decisions that are for everyone, not just yourself, mm. 
Now, obviously, we've got to be careful and there's ways that that can definitely backfire. But I do think it's quite amazing. And recently, I heard this amazing recording of um, when bees meet each other, they do a little noise, which is like a little woohoo. They go like, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> when they meet their friends, they go, woohoo! Oh and I'm God. like, I want to be you. So I'd like to be a bee. Kim, you are my queen bee. And yes. I will every time I see you. <laughs> I'm gonna. End of time. I'll sit on Prince's guitar when yeah. it's you, and uh, we can go on little adventures. I'll whip for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a great okay. answer. Uh, what's our next question? What is your most treasured possession? Another hard one. It's a bit like the extravagance thing for me. Like I know. I'm like I have quite a lot. A lot of bits of stuff. A lot I of trinkets. Love. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And it's like that question people ask, like, oh, if your house was on fire, what was the thing that you'd save? Everything. It's like, just, it'd be like supermarket sweep. Yeah, it would. Just scoop or everything I'd in your say trolley. it all has to burn. Yeah, or no things, yeah. exactly. I can't just pick one thing. Yeah. Um, I really, really love my books. Mm, you do. Um... I love looking at them. I love looking at them and remembering reading them. I love looking at them that are yet to read. But obviously, in the fire, they're going to go up like the 4th of July. And actually, there's no reason I could keep them. I could just get other ones. It's fine. Don't worry about it. No one needs to like burn themselves. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you can just get other ones. Five books, right? Um, I think the only... And actually, we're, we're lucky. You know... In a sort of, it's less dramatic than it sounds, but in a kind of domestic faux pas in my youth, my auntie burnt my uh, my brownie badge book thing. Yeah. Um, and a load of other documents, like useful, important mm. documents. And we don't, like, you know when people have these house fires and they lose all their photographs and stuff we're kind of quite lucky we don't really have i mean all my stuff is digitized so like if i lost all my stuff i'd be able to get it back yeah which is a really nice feeling so actually i'd be i really hope i'd be zen enough to be like it's gone yeah it's all right yeah you don't have to hold any things yeah what about you well i wasn't thinking of like my most treasured possession as in like a fire that would take it away because these are all things yeah. that are like replaceable. If I was thinking mm-hmm. in like a fire context, it would maybe be, be like my notebook that I write little things yeah. in. Because like I'd lose my little ideas, maybe you know. But I mm-hmm. again hope I'd be zen enough to be like, Meh, ideas come and go. They can't have been that good if I can't remember them. But yeah. just things that I love that I hold very dear to me are my massive hoops of my Charles Jeffrey socks and mm-hmm. loop. Good list. These are things I love. Yeah, good. And we don't need to set them on fire, you're right. Exactly. I went straight to catastrophe. Yeah, you did. we don't have to. No. Um, okay, so, next question. What is it? Uh, Who was it that asked? I can't remember. Where, where would you like to live? So, I... The, when I really think about it, the only thing that stops me living anywhere is... is access to people that I really like mm. um, so let's remove that because let's imagine there's some way around that or whatever 
I would like to live in the Highlands. I thought you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, the, the quiet and the space and the... Yeah, this just the space, the 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 kind of ability to just dial down the pace of life and be with yourself and there's a sense of community there which is lovely and it's beautiful. I can see that it would be a very very fruitful creatively to live there. Mm. If you you just had to make sure that you could actually encounter other people. Mm. Um how about you? Where do you want to live? Well, I'm a bit of a wanker. I kind of want a house in the city. I don't know which city it'll be, but, you know, a modern place with a sick view and we love an open plan moment and, like, you know, just let me yep. do my thing. But I also, I need an escape. All great artists had an escape, didn't they? A physical they escape. They and I, w I want that house in the Highlands as well or that house in the, by the sea or somewhere where I can just be and get out yep. of it and escape so i want it all yeah agreed i think we've talked about this before yeah. and i think it's right i think being when you're truly in love with the city and i would say i'm truly in love with london but that love can only exist long term if you've somewhere else mm. yeah because it, th those two places you need to sort of create equilibrium yeah and it's it is a cliche and you know there's people that have you know people's second homes and all that yeah. stuff but i think it is important just to fill up on space yeah is important yeah so i agree city house country house yes yeah bourgeoisie yeah let's just embrace it let's embrace um, it um okay the next question is interesting what is your favorite occupation yeah i didn't really understand the question i was like is it Me something neither. that i'd like to do or something that i admire or whatever um, yeah. So I just thought about a cool job that I think is really cool. Okay. And I'm going to say a gardener. Oh, nice. Because I think okay. gardeners are fit. Like, mm -hmm. very labour intensive. So they're yeah. often very hench, but they're also like super feminine and they're like nurturing of nature and the flowers that they grow. And there's a patience there mm -hmm. and a a will to care for things and I just think gardeners are good people you're totally right it's a lovely thing to be in it it's a lovely mixture of of things yeah you um yeah similarly didn't really know what the question was about um the thing that I've so the the people whose whose occupation I find the most sort of mesmerizing and magical are authors mm. People who can envisage, I guess specifically fiction authors, right? People who can envisage whole worlds, whole narratives, right. big arcs, um, who can, yeah, I, I think they are, they, it's like wizardry. And I, I th what a lovely way to spend your life. Yeah, I agree. Amazing. So. Yes, to that. Authors and gardeners. The next one's tricky, isn't it? Uh, it's yes. another very introspective moment. Um, what is your most marked characteristic? It's a good question because I think it is useful to really think about that. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. I think what we think is our favourite characteristic is not necessarily the one that's marked. The way yeah. I read the question is like how other people would see it. Yeah. What's recognisable outside of ourselves. Yeah. 
And so I think if that was the if if that's the parameter, I'd say self assurance. Yeah. I agree. Um, how about you? Yeah, mine was really difficult because like I had an idea of what I thought and what I used to be. I think I used to have a very prominent characteristic of being the life of the party because mm-hmm. I'm a bringer together of people and I love a night out, but I'm I'm not defined by anymore by how mental I can be. So I think now for, if I was saying what was maybe prominent, I'd, I said almost like a flirtatiousness or a sense of adventure, but I think that came out in other people because I asked a few people that know me really well ah did you you did a survey no no i did it after i'd written my answer so i was like i want my reaction but then i was like i need to ask people and a couple of people said charisma which Mm -hmm. i think kind of sums a few things up in that sense um but my flatmate cara had the best answer she said so in your personality she did a whole thing so in your personality i'd say your generosity and compassion and in your looks, I'd say your eyes and eyelashes. I love that I didn't even ask for that. Um, but as yeah. a whole, your big dick energy. Hope that is useful. Ha ha. Thank you very much, Kara. It's very <laughs> useful indeed. So, um, yeah, there we go. She's totally right. The eyelashes are mesmerising. You've the best eyelashes. Oh, thanks. I'm batting them like Bambi. Um, big dick energy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. Um, but yeah it's just uh, yeah I think it's a really hard one because I think the way we view ourselves is so different to the way the world perceives us and we change all the time and yeah I found that difficult because I was like I really don't know what my most prominent characteristic is because different people bring out different things in me all the time Exactly. but I do think I have a certain degree of charisma I suppose a bit of a charmer I like to hold a room yeah you're a charismatic young man. There that's for are. sure. Beautiful eyelashes, <laughs> massive dick. Right. Next thing is, what do you value most in your friends? Okay. For me, my friends create like a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. So like, I trust them like family. So just be in there, and I know like to be there for them and them for me, and then inspire me to be the best version of myself so my friends are my everything they're my source of inspiration they're my life support and it's just like I, I yeah they're you know that's what I value most is that they're just continually there yeah yeah same thing for me just just being there mm. being present feeling like there's someone there mm. at your back yeah arms outstretched yes. ready to catch you a lovely feeling and my parents are really good at sort of instilling that feeling in me when I was growing up and if I if I could make anyone else feel something I'd want to make them feel like that like I've got you you're all right because I think if you feel like that you can take on the world yeah and everyone deserves that feeling everyone deserves it yeah and I don't think we really give enough time to understanding the impact of not having it yeah we when you realize how far reaching it is if you've never felt like you're held you know and and kind of spotted you know yeah so well done everyone well done our friends for doing that uh next thing 
who are your favorite writers? I bet you had a field day here. Oh, best question. Uh, most broadly, I really like writers that are writing like post post World War Two. So we're talking like forty five onward. Um, in the Tate Modern, there's this room called Art After Catastrophe, and it's a really interesting way to sum it up because the World War is this sort of global event that had a massive impact on lots of people and it's really interesting to see creative people work through that which is why I really love the abstract expressionist movement in visual arts why I like film from that period why I like writing from that period um obviously I read a massive amount and I think so Doris Lessing is definitely one of my favourite writers. She wrote a huge amount. Um, I think she won the Nobel Prize for Literature. She wrote this gorgeous thing called The Golden Notebook, which is really like an exploration about what it is to be a woman and someone like a, a woman who was really kind of principled and outgoing and determined and then was also a mother and how she balanced those two things and then being alone and being a partner and the book is absolutely incredible. So Doris Lessing and Joan Didion, who I mentioned before, mm. are huge. And then the other one is David Foster Wallace. He's also a little bit tricky because don't think David was it he, he didn't always behave in an exemplary way towards right. other people. Right. Um and towards women. Mm. He's a very troubled soul. Um he killed himself very early age, in his forties I think. Um but he wrote this incredible book called Infinite Jest, which is this really huge book, um, which is probably a book that like a lot of knobheads read to just say that they've read it. Right. One of those. But um, the reason I really liked it was because about half of the book is footnotes. So like every page, there's these massive footnotes. Every few sentences, there's a footnote that pulls out of the text. And he said the reason he did that was because he was really fed up at, at like linear storytelling because he said that that's not what real life is you don't just get one storyline mm. which runs beginning to end there's all these other things happening you're trying to have a main story and there's all these distractions and so mm. he wanted to like recreate a way where you were kind of constantly distracted by stuff and you were it, you found it quite difficult to see what was important and what wasn't and like that the author didn't filter that out. You have to filter it out yourself. Yeah. And I really appreciated that because I think that that's something we that's all like kind of like a life lesson in a structure, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. Um, and yeah, I find myself thinking about things he's said and things he's written a lot. So Doris, Joan and David are my most favourites. How about you? I just wrote a list of people that came to mind. So Elok right. was up there, Tom Rasmussen... Kay Tempest, mm -hmm. Andrew McMillan and Joni Mitchell. It's a good dinner party, isn't it? Literally, just people I want to hang out with, to be honest. Joni Mitchell would be terrifying. Yeah, we have discussed. I'd, I'd definitely not speak to her. I'd want her there, yeah. but I wouldn't speak Other to her. Other end of the table. Yeah. yeah. If you put her with a look, I think they would draw something out. Oh, yeah. You know? they'd, they'd get on well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and you could just sort of watch it happen. Yeah, I just want to be in the room observing it. I don't necessarily need the the telling. Yeah, you don't the, need the, the, one, the inevitable the one one. telling off that I'll get. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The sort of withering look of like, who the fuck are you? That's a stupid thing. Um, yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Good list. Who are your heroes in real life? 
Um, good question. Big question. What you said earlier, I think, is really important. People who do, who just do, mm. not for recognition. They don't wave a flag about it. Mm. But they just do. And I've been reading a lot from this writer called Mariam Kaba, and she is uh, an American writer and a really kind of important figure in abolitionist activism and organising. And incredibly wise and really good at kind of being centred about spending your life devoted to a cause and what that actually means because that's quite a head fuck Mm. and that can go any which way and she said some really lovely things like she said the definition between an activist and an organiser is the activist you is someone who operates on behalf of themselves so they they have an issue that they feel strongly about and then they they speak out about it or they act out about it, but they aren't accountable to anyone else. And an organiser is someone who who kind of, you know, wants to unite people in a struggle. And um, organisers are almost always activists, but activists aren't always organisers. Mm. And I think that's an interesting yes. way to define those two things. Yeah. Um, and actually, you remember when we spoke to Adam and he said... Um, Basically, he said, I don't have to be an activist anymore. Mm. Like, I've done that now. Yeah. And I think that's an incredible quality in someone. To be like, here's my fight, and I'm going to give it my all, and I'm going to fight the fight, and then I'm going to know when to step back and let someone else mm. carry it on. I think that is a, a very admirable thing. Yeah. So, organisers and activists are definitely my answer, but particularly people who who know how they can help and also know at what point they start hindering. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. How about you? I said most definitely my mum. Yeah. Because she's just incredible. A self-made, fully realised, beautifully flawed, strong woman who's just smashing life and has always done she it is. her own way. Um, and my friends who continually inspire me every single one of you so yeah I guess because I'd said that thing earlier about the people that go on unnoticed you know this one was in my personal life it it is definitely those those people yeah I was talking to my mum recently she's talking about we were trying to figure out a time she could get a train down and hang out here and I was saying we've got to do the mum's episode episode. oh my god can you imagine it's coming it's coming it's going to be such a banger a banger those two are delights. I can't wait. Uh, okay, next question is, how would you like to die? Moving on to the cheery oh. end. <laughs> I mean, I... So I said preferably not slow and painful. Mm. Something maybe glamorous. All right, but also, what is a glamorous day? Well, this is the thing, because then I'm doing that thing where we, we over-glamorise kind of brokenness and melancholy yeah so i was like i know it sounds cliche but like maybe when i get to a certain point i can just get dressed in some like beautiful black funeral couture and inject Mm -hmm. a lethal dose of heroin and going out like properly at my tits but like Mm. that calls into question a lot of things about how we (laughs) glamorize drug overdoses my own sobriety journey i mean there's there's a lot going on there to unpack but i just kind of like seen it in my head and was like oh this is cool I like it. Yeah, because, well, that's the thing. Like, that's going to be fine for you and you're going to smash it and you're going to be great. I think I I'm can do have that to, pretty well. 
Oh yeah, no, I think it's a good plan. But what's going to have to happen is I'm going to have to come in at the back here and wipe up all the sick because you balked. And then obviously that's not very glamorous if there's vom involved. Uh, and then like get some vanish on all the black funeral couture which has got gip all over it. Nah, baby. And it's gonna st- no, no, no. It's gonna, we're going to you know, pre-plan this. So we're going to put me in a nice old lounging position with a kind of couture made bucket that fits in with the look that's actually attached okay good as long as you planned it out tracy headpiece yes and it's all gonna spew piece it's gonna like it's all gonna scream in fire it's gonna work okay great then in which case i'm i'm in great i'm all in see you there sounds great let me know when it's set a date all right what about you um yeah same thing uh quick quickly quickly please um, I don't know if anyone would want the slow and painful death although I do recognise that there is something about being told you have a set amount of time and to actually process to death yeah. get your affairs in order yeah. and I do think there's some people people I've known personally and people who I've who I know of who have who have used that time very beautifully exactly um, yeah Ian Ian Banks is one mm. um, a really he he found out he was dying and, and and dealt with that in a really gorgeous way you know what can I do to make you know with my last six months and and did a lot of lovely things and married his partner and you know and that that's a lovely way to spend time and similarly people who you know, David Bowie did it with incredible yeah. prowess um but I something where you don't know what's happening one minute you're there, one minute you're not, is definitely going to be my way forward. Yeah. The thing that frightens me the it's most... It's harder for the people you leave behind then. Yeah, that's true. The thing that frightens me most is losing my mind. Mm, yeah. The thing that frightens me, you know, ha- having seen grandparents and other people kind of have Alzheimer's and dementia and that stuff, that's that really frightens me. I'm not particularly concerned if my, my arms and legs stop working because... Mm. I'm quite lazy anyway, and the sort of life of a slug would probably fit suit me quite well. Ah. But if I couldn't think or concentrate or or that, I, I'm yeah, I I would struggle you to see are, what though. I had. Yeah, so I uh, th- like those kind of illnesses. I think are very haunting. Yeah. So like arrow to the back of the head. Yes. Let's get involved. Yeah. Exactly. And now, it's the final question. We've made it. We've made it all the way down to the bottom. Um, What is it? What's the final one, Luca? What is your motto? Okay, my motto is, it's either fun or funny. Brilliant. Everything in life is either fun at the time or a funny story later. Oh, brilliant. And I say that as someone who has had some experiences mm. that might you might imagine would be quite hard to be funny mm. but you can find it if you just have enough distance and so at the time if i you know if i'm walking down the street and a bird poops on my head if i trip over somewhere i just think <laughs> this will be a funny story later brilliant that's kind of what i was thinking up in paisley yes exactly exactly uh, what about you? What's your motto? I found this really hard. I was I don't know. I felt like I was having to brand a fucking company car or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's a bit corporate. But some that came to mind were like, that I've found myself saying in the past few days are, 
If they aren't paying your bills, don't pay them no mind. Good one. Or like, we're all one. I love that. Yeah, good one. Um, yeah, but I can't really... I like yours. I might just steal yours. That's fine. Yeah, we can have it as a podcast one. Someone recently said, if it doesn't bring you inspiration, money or an orgasm, fuck it off. Oh, brilliant. I love and it. And I like that. I will have that one. Thank you. Whoever That's a good one. That. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, thank you, Marcel, for your brilliant question. Thank you, Marcel. That, this was a lovely I really episode. learned a lot doing that and yeah, I'm going to do it with other people now as well. Yeah, and I feel that's like the our thing. answers oh. will change over time and yeah. Yeah. We we should probably do a little check in. We should in a year in or a two. Year or two. See where yeah. we're at. <gasps> Amazing. Um all right, lovely to see you. Lovely Get to, to your see bed. You. I will. Snuggle in. I will. I'll stream of um Proust and do. you and my glamorous yep. heroine chic death. <coughs> we'll all be there. See you there. On a right old party. All right. Bye. Bye.